Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, my friends, and welcome to our show. Good people, welcome. Uh, by the way, I don't want to discriminate bad people. Welcome to our show as well. Everyone, everyone, if you want to learn more about SEO, paid marketing, so stay tuned because the best part is coming. Today we have an interesting topic about paid and uh, organic reach uh, strategy, and I'm excited to discuss this topic with Chris Box. How are you? I'm doing very well, and thank you for the invitation, Anatoly. Yeah, it's a big pleasure. I know that you have extended experience, a lot of skills, so I'm excited to learn more about that. Before we start, just tell more about your experience, background, uh, and why you decided to take this topic. Sure. Uh, well, I've been doing uh, this. I've been in the search engine marketing space since the year 2000, uh, where I was uh, originally uh, became interested in ranking for terms related uh, to selling health insurance in San Diego. And uh, this was when people were just starting to, you know, sell health insurance online. No one thought you could buy insurance online. So uh, it introduced me to the space of search engines. And then um, I became a consultant briefly. Uh, I went and I completed a marketing degree. And then I also started to join successively bigger agencies. Uh, two of the biggest jobs that I had, they now belong to publicists, which I'm sure you've heard of. Uh, but I worked with Avenue A, Razorfish, it was called at the time. I was, uh, I, they actually, I was one of the first strategists, uh, search SEO strategists in the Philadelphia office. Um, and uh, then uh, we served sort of the global clients for SEO out of there, which was very cool. And then I also became part of an agency uh, in, in Cleveland called Brulant, which was acquired by Rosetta, which was then acquired by Publicis. Uh, so not the language software, but the agency Rosetta. So I have a lot of agency experience. Uh, I then went to, some of you may know, Jim Boykin over at uh, Internet Marketing Ninjas. I was over there mm -hmm. as the chief marketing and operating officer for a little bit. And then eight years ago, um, I formed my own business. And now I'm serving clients, uh, agencies and direct clients. And I have some subcontractors, but I do audits and management of both paid search and organic search. And then I'm also working, uh, I had the pleasure of working with Dennis Yu for a little while uh, and learning about some Facebook marketing tactics. And so occasionally, um, depending on the client need, uh, I can help advise on that. And I have people that I work with on that. So I'm essentially an agency of one and I have subcontractors now, uh, but I still get to be very involved day to day actually within the Google ads uh, platform uh, across display, remarketing, all, all their different types of uh, campaign types. And I'm also very involved every day in Google Search Console and using tools. Uh, you know, I don't know who your sponsors are, but there's a lot of tools out there like Semrush or Ahrefs and so forth. Uh, so every day, that's what I do. I'm inside mm -hmm. those tools and I'm on calls. Um, helping people make decisions, sometimes helping guide and sometimes actually doing it as well. So that's in a nutshell. And before that, real quick, I grew up, I was raised in Europe and, and overseas, uh, but I'm half American, half Belgian. And uh, my mother's side of the family is from Belgium. Uh, and uh, my father, who's passed now, but he was an American diplomat. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Yeah, love it. Yeah, good experience, interesting life. Uh, okay, I, I, I want to start from the first question. Uh, for example, for a new project, 
where to start, paid marketing or organic reach? Uh, how to find the right way? Well, obviously, you know, the famous answer, it depends, right? But for me, like the first snap answer is paid, right? Because you're not going to typically have a lot of equity with SEO uh, unless the example would be, let's say you're a huge multinational brand and you have various divisions uh, that are software, maybe, for example, right? And then let's say you're in the education software space and you spin off another software that's geared towards ex education security or you know something else there you might be able to get some quick traction and we're i'm getting really deep right away if you have um you know if you have some links immediately from the parent company and from the sister category company but for most people that don't have the blessing of already having an established network and instant link authority, you're going to want to probably use paid media, A, to bring the traffic, but also B, to test the efficacy of your pages, right? Is the page able to convert? And, and so if you bring some paid traffic to it first, you can also do some conversion rate optimization or content optimization on your pages to make it more user friendly. So that's why the short answer is probably paid. Uh, it's going to be your first way to get traffic to a new website. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, good answer. Love it. Yeah, I agree with that because uh, paid marketing can show uh, that you have good product or not because uh, when you don't know about uh, quality of your product, uh, of course, it's better to have your unique selling proposition. And uh, I remember one interesting saying from marketing that uh, only good marketing can destroy bad products, you know, because uh, any marketing campaigns can help uh, bad products. But that's good time to learn how to develop innovative products and go yeah. ahead with that. You mentioned a few times about uh, your experience with strategy. Can you tell how to find the right strategy in SEO field? Because uh, I see when webmasters open SEMrush, iChars, many other recognizable tools, uh, find high volume keywords and then create content. Uh, uh, sometimes it's not a good idea because we have huge competition, many other websites who want to rank these keywords, many authoritative websites like Amazon, Wikipedia, many others. How to, run, to, how to find the right strategy in SEO field? Uh, let's imagine for, for a new project. Cool. So first, starting at the top, if you look at my pinned tweet at Boggles, you'll see that I have a hierarchy. Maslow's hierarchy is how I approach uh, SEO. So there I start at the bottom with the technical. So let's keep that aside, right? Because technical strategy typically is let's, uh, you know, create a quadrant. Let's do the things we can fix easiest that'll give you the most value for SEO first and then approach technical projects, right? There's not too much, I think, you know, in advanced SEO nowadays, it's not too much thinking. It's more about uh, auditing and figuring out what's wrong and then prioritizing and figuring out what you can fix and how you're going to fix it. So putting the technical aside, really the top two portions, I think, of, of the pyramid come into play, and that's content and authority, right? And, and content marketing, um, you know, I, the term content marketing to me is, is was... Uh, it's, it's a renaming of SEO because SEO got a bad name, right? So content marketing really is about creating content that's going to rank, right? And so you need to develop a strategy for content that's going to serve your audience. And that requires competitive analysis, right? Understanding 
what types of content your competitors traffic is consuming seemingly right from your understanding and whatever mm -hmm. data you can get uh, and so start to you know to me i like to do strategically in that in that sense you create a spreadsheet and and you do almost like a a, a sitemap in a spreadsheet, right? And then you do the sitemap of the competitor and a sitemap of another competitor and you line them up and you see, okay, which pages, and the tools do this too, right? They do gap analysis, yeah. this is what this is, right? But I like to do it very kind of old school granularly because it jumps out to me better when you start to see, especially categories that might exist on, on a, uh, like let's say, uh, you know, you want to sell apples, oranges, and bananas. How are you going to split your categories, right? Uh, and and understanding that some apple-only sites might have different categories than other sites that sell apples and oranges and bananas. You know, these are the kinds of things you have to think about in setting your strategy. And and if you still have the opportunity to decide what you're going to build content-wise, the more time you can spend on understanding all those different ways that people have sliced and diced the content and then doing that cross verification of which ones Google seems to like and, and, and traffic, you know, seems to follow. That's to me going to be the core of a, a content strategy based on competitive analysis, right? On the linking mm -hmm. side, you can look kind of at the same thing. Um, you know, we can't, and we can't have a conversation in 22 about SEO without talking about, you know, turnkey links, like, uh, articles and citations and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, I typically would split uh, linking strategy into four buckets about, you know, there's some links that you can get. The best links at the very top of my pyramid are through corporate social responsibility, sponsoring hospitals, children's teams, a small school, you know, if you get a link from that school, those are all great things that the evil marketing side of helping people out, right? Um, but the other strategies are about approaching the classic, what we've been doing for, you know, since Google introduced links to the algorithm is mm -hmm. understanding who links to the competitor and then uh, looking for, you know, the broken link strategy, meh. I, I'd rather look at like the, the types of links that they're getting. So is the competitor seemingly doing a lot of PR? Are they getting a lot of placements and legitimate news coverage like New York Times, et cetera, et cetera? If so, then I better be ready if I want to compete with them to get that kind of PR, right? So strategically thinking, you know, uh, trying to, if, if your competitors are getting mentions daily in very high quality online publications, you're going to have to, right? I mean, it's probably going to have to mm -hmm. happen and you can, there's no shortcuts in SEO, right? So that's where, um, you know, you have to decide. That's why I hate agencies that sell SEO and they say it's 10,000 a month and they haven't even done the strategy yet. Right. Cause you could do the strategy and then figure out, Oh, I'm in big trouble. I need way more than 10,000 a month to make it end here. Right. So that's why I think, and I'll shut up for a second, but the, the part about the linking strategies and both those are important to understand as you're going in, how much you're going to have to spend in terms of time and content and PR, uh, you know, brand building. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you mentioned about PR. Uh, let's talk more about that because I think for me PR is the new way of link building. And uh, the last time when I, I I'm speaking with PR specialists, they usually uh, highlight more about uh, getting backlinks than uh, about creating better awareness with these PR links. Can you tell uh, uh, how um, these links can help? Because in most cases we can get links to. Uh, 
to the home page and but google denies uh, that uh, uh, any pages have authority domain authority uh, domain ranking that we have on hrefs and rush uh, can you tell how it, it can help uh, to get traffic to other pages uh, do we need to interlink them or uh, just to create brand awareness it's enough uh, to get uh, i don't know like ranking with other pages um well you know back in the day uh, when i worked with a lot mm -hmm. of e-commerce sites especially um one of the things that um benefited the best ones was that they were starting to get more links to their deeper pages right and the first e-commerce sites that really started having their product level and category level pages shared more definitely started stepping out right and part of that was also because they some of them were spending the time to consolidate their urls very early right and not have a lot of duplication going on so uh, really, I think the, the truth still holds that the more of a diverse linking pattern you can have pointed towards your site, the better. Uh, in the apples, orange, and banana example again, like I'd rather have the Apple Association of America linking to my Apple category than the homepage probably, right? Uh, if I'm going to join the Apple Association of America as part of that category, you know, PR push, right? Um, so mm -hmm. to me... Definitely the first part or the last part of your question was about where the links should point, you know, home and and, and down. Um, I think that with anything that you have products and that includes like real estate, for example, and properties or cars, uh, you know, the links are very important. And in fact, I was just having a conversation about this in regards to the cars. What happens when you have like a sold vehicle, right? And and let's say it's a special vehicle. It's not just some, I'm sorry if anyone owns a Ford Focus, but it's not just some used Ford Focus that's going to get sold and then you get rid of it off the website, right? But if it's some car that had some special value or whatever, and it had been linked to, what do you do with that, right? And so that becomes part of your strategy too. And I think there's a lot of different ways to approach that. Um, you know, you may want to recoup some of the strength by having, you know, sold vehicles going in one place. But these are the kinds of things that I think you have to think about is once the links do come in, how do you recoup that strength in a way that it won't ruin the user experience of someone on the other end, right, either? Because you don't want to... Like you remember when people started using no follow internally and stuff like that, and that's over architecture, right? Or over optimization, I think. It's same thing applies for how much of your links you wanna recoup, right? And, and I think it does, the more time you can spend having a strategy and giving some time to making individual decisions, that's helpful. If you're selling a thousand cars a day, it's you're not going to have someone go look and see which cars got links, right? And you're going to have to make a decision. But if you're a smaller property that's or or selling like luxury mansions or something like that, mm -hmm. then this is a decision for you, right? Where those links came in, and then internally, that's the first part that you led off with. For years, I was using an example of um, a content marketing or a I'm sorry. Uh, a marketing firm in, in the Baltimore area that I used to work with called G3 Group. And G3 Group did insert printing, which is for newspaper inserts. And for the longest time, they were on the first page at number one or two at Google for the term insert printing. And there were zero external links pointed to that page. But there was a very strong uh, internal link 
in the navigation using the words insert printing and a couple contextual internal links. And I'm talking, this is mid 2000s, right? And I used to, I would go and do a training. I'd be like, oh, I wonder if they still rank for insert printing, right? Mm -hmm. and, and they might still be up there and probably on the first couple of pages, but for years I could say, and look, and I'd go look at the page, no external links, right? So I'm a huge fan of internal linking. Uh, another way to think about internal linking at scale is to think about finding creative ways of creating link blocks, right? To me, my favorite, the best people that use internal linking on all of the internet is Best Buy. Bestbuy.com, at the bottom of every category and at the bottom of every product, they have different ways that they do their internal links. But the genius about it too is every mm -hmm. one of their products, it's not just headset, it's gaming headset or it's blah, blah, right? It's the keyword. And so all these links are unique to every one of those thousands of pages at the bottom. They're all treated as part of that unique content of that page. And that's an internal link. And now you've got 10,000 internal links to your gaming headset category, right? Ultimately, because of the pages underneath it. So that's to me the two ways that I think most about linking uh, is recouping value from links and, and making sure you don't lose it with, you know, using 301 redirects, all the basics, right? Uh, but also thinking about it strategically and leveraging, you know, keywords in your in your navigation and stuff like that. Yeah, love it, love it, uh, especially about, you know, I think inter, uh, interlinking is the first link building strategy for any website because <laughs> it depends on you if you uh, set up this strategy, you know, to from relevant pages or pages that have traffic or uh, some authority. Yeah, why not? You can get the first weight that will help to, uh, to rank your keywords. And the second link building strategy is social media. Just share on social media, on your social media. <laughs> yeah, just two simple strategies and then think how well, you can- Keep in mind that that still requires, I think, the social media, like, you know, there's been, it's easy when you say that for someone to hear that and say, oh, uh, well, right now, Twitter technically, you know, Twitter doesn't have no follow on their legs, but that's a whole <laughs> side story. Uh, but the point is, is that there's long been, I think, a, a confusion about, social media buzz counting in the actual algorithm. I, mm -hmm. I I would never say that. I mean, it has an influence because if it goes wild on social media, then five people are gonna blog about it, right? And now there'll be five links to it. Mm -hmm. That's the value of it. I just wanted to clarify, that's kind of how you're saying uh, the social media side of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's more about, okay, let's talk about PR, you know, if you uh, sh share on social media, it's more about uh, sharing with your audience and uh, with the hope that they will share with their friends. Yes. You can cover yeah. some audience. And uh, if you have great stuff, why not? You can, uh, I don't know, like to deserve other backlinks. Uh, and uh, by the way, I don't know how the story uh, with Twitter uh, ended. Uh, I think uh, they, uh, uh, yeah, they set up uh, the follow links on their tweets and uh, but I don't know the end of the story. They changed uh, to no follow. I think it's back. still like that. I mean, it was just last week. And I, mm -hmm. the reason that it was funny, too, is because I was literally on a call using one of the tools and looking at the backlinks. And Twitter <laughs> showed up with like a 43 domain authority or whatever. You know, and to that point, too, uh, that whole domain authority, let's talk about that after. But I noticed it, right? And I was like, oh, that's right. It's <laughs> Apparently they're seeing, they're being counted now. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. Like you're gonna yeah. see a bunch of UG boot tweets coming up, I think. A lot of Uggs and, and Viagra and things like that. Mm -hmm. You're gonna certainly be on Twitter at that.
Yeah, I think SEO community is interested in uh, the final stage of the story. Of course, uh, I'm pretty sure that Google will uh, uh, ignore uh, do follow, no follow links for any social media, doesn't matter. Uh, but yes, yeah, just interesting to know how Twitter, why Twitter changed the algorithm, you know, to, to set up the follow links. Okay, I have the question about uh, keyword metrics. Uh, you know, uh, for example, when um, I'm speaking with many webmasters, they usually tell me about volume. They open uh, tools, check out volume and think uh, how to create content with volume. Can you tell which metrics, uh, metrics are more important for you? For example, we have volume, user intent, cost per click, keyword difficulty, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Mm -hmm. I get rid of all the columns except for I keep volume, I keep cost per click. Those are my two primary. If somebody's willing to pay a lot, there's a couple that are random mistakes in the data, right? But usually, if you order by cost per click, that's a really good way to look at the bottom of the funnel of that keyword bucket, right? Because a lot of the times, the highest cost per click are the ones where the closest to buying is what I found in general. Um, so to me, that's the first way that I look at that. I throw out, um, you know, at a bigger level, I've always been old school and I appreciate technology and advances and SEO and all that and all that and all that. But to me, like a lot of this data, I don't use it. I, I just feel it in a way. I know that sounds wrong, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't really, um, um, you know, the estimations of the keyword difficulty and, and stuff like that. It's, it's not an area that I'm worried about because I don't look at keywords as individually as some SEOs do. I look at a head keyword and then supporting keywords for it. So I'm not really worried about the aggregate keyword difficulty there. That's just the way mm -hmm. that I do my strategy, right? That said, some people might, especially if they're looking at a list of 1,200 keywords, that's another way that they might sort it, right? Maybe talking about going after low-hanging fruit. So I'm not against it. It's just not part of what I do. I keep the keyword. I keep uh, the cost per click and the volume. If it's a ranking report, I keep the page that's ranking or the competitor pages that are ranking also like along there so that I can see immediately which content is matched if I want to. Uh, and then... I, I do like the the new intent one. It's nice to have because sometimes that's nice to show a client, hey, you know, this is an informational search. Stop stop worrying about it. Because uh, mm -hmm. I see that happen a lot. Like there's a volume of 2,400 for a head term, but then the next three terms are like very informational oriented or they're like a specific uh, subcategory of the thing that doesn't apply to what you do. You have to then apply how much of that is there to that main number too? Like most of the people that aren't using that modifier are still probably thinking at it. You know, like if you look down the list of volume, that's what I like to do is I look at the clusters and I look for trends that um, of mismatches, right? Like, uh, you know, uh, segregation of duties. Uh, sod is, is grass, right? Grass, sod, lumps <laughs> of grass. So there's a lot of volume for acronyms often that are is misdirected, right? Uh, so keyword research, you have to, the other thing you have to look at once you've done the columns is try to really fully understand, I think, where the red herrings are, right? Because the machine 
Google's AI is great and amazing, but they still have a lot of problems discerning between software, for example, like the different types of software. Is it software that builds software? Is it software that helps software? Is it software that does this? Or you flip the words and they are two different softwares. So from a, to me, what I've seen Google have the most problem with in keywords is those nuances between like software and stuff like that. And that's where a lot of times you'll see like the same volume. So that's why volume can be difficult. So then if you look at the cost per click, maybe that'll give you a hint as to, hey, more people look at it in this order or wanna pay for it in this order than the other way. Uh, that was kind mm -hmm. of a long question, but yeah, the, the trends one is okay. I mean, if you have a really high seasonality, uh, product, you know, then you, you or, or typical, like, let's say you, you are a ski mountain or you rent or sell snowshoes, uh, you know, you're going to want to look at the data, uh, on a month to month level. So that's not a bad thing to look at, I think. Uh, but as far as the percentage of the estimated traffic and the keyword difficulty, and, and I think there's one or two others, I typically just throw them out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, what difficult about volume? Uh, because, for example, for local SEO, uh, sometimes we can get zero volume. Do we need to skip these keywords or uh, Google doesn't share exactly? Well, that's where if you can invest in a little bit more money on what you're doing, like if you're, you know, running a project in a tool like SEMrush or whatever, then you set up a mobile uh, local area and those volumes are actually scrunched down locally. So it's just a matter of, you know, getting access to that data, um, you know, especially for a, a local type of a business, I think then it's worth trying to understand. Uh, but in general, the volume can be used as a relative number too, right? You can just assume that the ones that nationally have a thousand have 10 times more searches locally than the ones that nationally have a hundred, right? It, it, it's just math there. So again, volume two, that's the other problem with that metric, right? And, and this is years ago when I was in agencies, we were told never show the volume column in a meeting because you don't want to have these executives suddenly start to calculate in their head how many dollars they're going to make, right? If they get to the first place. So that's it. I'm glad you kind of brought me around to that uh, because volume is a very dangerous metric, right? It, it sets the wrong expectation. It's an average. It's not local. It, it could be very seasonal. And so they're doing an average, right? I could say, oh, winter boots, there's a volume of 120 searches uh, every month, but it's not 120. It's way more than that, obviously. But we know that that it's clustered, right? But that the, this data shows as, a, as an average. So right there, along with other metrics like that, it requires a lot of disclaimers. And I don't mind, you know, since I'm a consultant format, I get into and I show my clients like all the internal dashboards. I want to show them the queries on the paid search side. You know, I want to, I want them to understand everything. I'm very transparent, but I'm also then very I always tell them the asterisks, right? Like this is estimated data. The volume is estimated. You know, the cost mm -hmm. per click is usually okay. It's right between the low and high range pretty often in these mm -hmm. tools compared to the one that you get directly in Google ads, right? Um, so to me, you know, uh, that that metric is dangerous uh, volume because <laughs> it's the wrong expectations. And you see the same word or the same, like a synonym, they all have 3,600 a month searches. It's like, okay, who's taking shortcuts here, right? You know, like. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. I think this metric can confuse more than help uh, because when people are looking for getting this volume, it doesn't mean that you can get totally the same traffic. You know, it depends on your position, on accurate data, on seasons, uh, on your uh, snippets, you know, even title description because cost per click depends on that, uh, on your ranking, you know, even sometimes we can have volume, I don't know, like 1,000, but uh, traffic uh, more than 3,000 because we have many other keywords that... Uh, uh, with specific pages. So yeah, I, I agree with that. Volume is very tricky metric. <laughs> okay, uh, let's talk about uh, priorities. Can you tell how to uh, prioritize uh, our efforts? Because for example, if we have limited resources, I don't know, like company can share uh, 10, let's imagine 10,000 uh, per month. Uh, and uh, how to choose priorities uh, in SEO field to choose uh, the right uh, thing what we can do because uh, I often see when uh, web websites are trying to chase a lot of pages to create a lot of content to uh, create to use all link building techniques uh, without having results for a specific one. Can you tell more about that? Yeah, so I like to do um, a chart, right? And so you have um, level of effort on the left and then SEO value on the right. Um, I could kind of draw it. Um, so um like this oh, sorry oh that's okay i'm not trying well <laughs> today but basically uh on the left side is the scale of level of effort right and then on the mm -hmm. right on the bottom is seo value so then you start plotting uh technical content linking and then you have a quadrant right so if you're looking at a chart with um the SEO value on the bottom, right? And it goes uh, smaller to greater and then level of effort mm -hmm. goes smaller to greater. Then you're going to get quadrants in your chart, right? You're going to get quadrant here, 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 and here. So the high SEO value, low level of effort quadrant is the one that you want to like start to plot things into and approach them first. And then you'll notice I had a C and a T and an L on that. So you have you know, you can do one of those quadrant things for your technical stuff. You can do one of them for your content and one for your linking, and then you can overlay them all together. Uh, that's kind of a, you know, a semi-sophisticated way to approach it um, is by really trying to then you have to force rank it that way, right? How, how hard is it going to be? Uh, because understanding the level of effort is, is the most important uh, part of the strategic. It, it's, it's almost more mm -hmm. because as an SEO, you're probably... Like if you're an SEO extremist, I hate extremism, except for even SEO. I don't like SEO extremism. Right. But I like mm -hmm. to like ask for a lot, at least in SEO. So you're going to say there's a lot of stuff that has really high SEO value. So it's important for you also to really be honest about what would have the most SEO value uh, the most quickly, for example. Right. Especially let's say there's a problem with uh reputation or there's been like a lack of, uh, of authority or or maybe even a penalty in the past or something like that, then you're going to want to look at, you know, the priority opportunities to get you out of that limelight, as it were, right? And, and mm -hmm. prioritize those over maybe some of the technical fixes that can wait. Excuse me. So one of the things mm -hmm. that we saw with uh, Google Search Console over the last few years is they've been pretty good at like moving stuff from errors to warnings to excluded right and it used to be a lot more of the stuff that was in the excluded was in the warnings and then there'd be a lot more work to do there so i think the search console has done a good job at saying hey this is not you know like heart surgery this stuff can wait 
this stuff, let's try to get it done first. So think about it the way that Google does it in their search console coverage, you know, recommendations, like prioritize the errors, do the warnings next if you can, and then get to the 404s and the stuff that are in the excluded in, in, in the technical prioritization side, right? For content, um, you know, you might want to prioritize text and, and easy to change and update assets and then plan like one rich internet application or an infographic every quarter or a month or something like that and have more time for that. But think about, you know, your, your, what you can get out there first to increase your relevance. Now, if every one of your competitors has four, um, you know, charts describing how to build the canoe that they're buying from you online, right? Then you need to get those charts on your site sooner also. So that's where that competitive analysis comes into play too, in terms of, I think, you know, helping to uh, decide what should go first. And that goes back to how much can you spend, right? And so, you know, that's where that level of effort thing, you have to tie that to dollars and then either stretch it out and then set back your expectations a little bit in, in terms of the pace of growth or get more money so that you can build faster so that the back can, you know, start to grow equity faster would be mm -hmm, the way that yeah. I Awesome. Love it. Love it. Uh, what do you think about AI tools? Uh, because uh, Google uh, often highlights, don't use them, uh, don't destroy your traffic. But uh, I see they are growing. You know, we have more and more tools. Uh, they are developing. You're talking their... about edge SEO, like that stuff? Uh, like uh, Market Muse uh, or oh, Open okay. AI. Yeah, uh, many tools. Uh, Reader me, yeah, many uh, IE tools. What do you think? Do, is it a good idea to use them to create content or it's better to skip because they're not ready? What do you think? Okay, so actually content spinning as per se, right, is the bad word mm -hmm. I think for it. Um, you know, I think it depends on if you're going to go into a boxing match, you better have some boxing gloves on and ready to fight, right? And, and if all your competitors are using it, you know, then uh, do you need it, right? Mm -hmm. um, to me, it's a, a lot of times, uh, you know, I look at it as a shortcut, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with shortcuts and gaining efficiency. But if Google's saying that they don't like it, and if it's not, doesn't look good to the human, trust your own smell, right? It's like, it doesn't matter what yeah. the date is on the milk, you're just going to still smell it, right? So that's the way that I would approach it is test it. And maybe test on a domain or if you're using a side domain for something and try it there first uh, versus putting it, you know, that kind of content. Uh, again, if if it's clean and you're secure with it and you, you understand that you're not going to be like somehow penalized by it, obviously, like there's no other data. You know, maybe Google's grumbling about it, but there's whatever tool it, it might be, um, you know, to me. My point would be it's worth testing, but be careful on what you're testing it on. Uh, is the, the yeah, I'm not against anything, right? But uh, be careful, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, uh, you remind me of Fabrice Canel from Bing when I asked uh, the same question him, he replied to me, Okay, you can use it, but just check out content. If you can create great content, why not? <laughs> use them if you can't why you need to waste your resources money with that so yeah it depends i agree with that completely if you have a website that says look at these crazy ai content creations then there you go do it right there's, there's <laughs> yeah. some funny stuff like that and that's a nice compliment by the way uh i've had the chance to meet fabrice a few times he's a 
smart gentleman. Okay. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, and you know, it's interesting that um, uh, I have one um, uh, freelancer who can help me uh, with creating video content. And uh, when he filmed new videos, he sent to me, I usually reply to him, you know, you need to take away some fluff words. I don't know, like mm -hmm, blah, 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 anything else. Just take away. Uh, uh, speak uh, much better, you know. Uh, uh, but you know, once he sent me uh, a new file with uh, a female voice without any uh, such words, you know. Uh, and I replied to, to him, "What's going on? Who filmed this video?" He replied to me, uh, "He did it. <laughs> it's impossible because I can hear a female voice." Uh, and he replied to me, "AI tool can help him to create this voice." Yeah, I was shocked because that was a really good voice, you know, without any fluff. So I think, yeah, it depends if you can create. Yeah, such... so it's a podcast or something like uh, like that. I think, you know, the, mm -hmm. the key about it, I think, is how confident will Google be that it understands it, right? Because yeah. it's still not 100% confident in its optical recognition technology, I think. And um, I think it's probably more confident, thanks to YouTube and, and its transcription, you know, growth or whatever, that it can understand what's in a podcast. So the voice, though, the actual, you know, to me, does that matter to the machine, right? Whether it's hearing an AI voice or the sound of a woman or the sound of a man? Probably not. I would mm -hmm. guess, right? I mean, maybe it's the it, but it's the clarity that that's important, right? Uh, and and is it legible or audible is the right word for that, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. I have the final question about uh, how to uh, learn SEO today. For example, if you start from scratch without any knowledge, skills, anything, uh, what will you do to learn SEO today? Uh, because I have uh, some students on my network and they usually ask me, uh, SEO is a good field. Do I need to consider it? I want to learn how to go ahead because we have a bunch of courses, resources. Uh, can you lead them in the right direction? You know what? I right now, there's no like single educational entity that I can mm -hmm. really, you know, recommend. Uh, first of all, I haven't, you know, been uh, doing this for a while, like looking and I, I don't read a lot anymore. Um, I do mm -hmm. listen to some stuff and I read some stuff, but um, each of the major search engine publications in North America, I know, uh, have uh, some pretty good content, right? And there's some other ones too that are up and coming. So uh, to me, the best way to learn is to start with like a little project site, right? And get yourself like, uh, you know, mykidhasallergies.com or something, and then start learning it yourself, right? If you're gonna be able to learn SEO, you're probably gonna do just as well by learning it yourself and consuming multiple sources of education, but start with like a roux, right? Like, so I, I mentioned my, um, pyramid that I have at, at Boggles, my Twitter account, that's one way to start. And you start at the bottom. And if you were to learn every single line that's in that pyramid, you're going to eventually read enough to learn, you know, sort of the process of SEO. There's some great content out there. And I don't want to name any specific individual because then I'll forget someone else. Right. Uh, but there's a lot of really good ones uh, that are people that do audits or that are current writers. Uh, there's people that are very 
uh, popular right now around specific topics like the concept of expertise, authority, and trustworthiness, which people think is you know the algorithm, but it's not. But uh, there's mm -hmm. a particular writer from New York. She does an amazing job writing on that. Um, there's other people in, in Los Angeles that are writing about stuff really well. Uh, you know, they're all over. Uh, if you look at search engine land, search engine roundtable, um, even, um, uh, uh, which one am I missing? Uh, there's a bunch, journal. right? Journal. <laughs> yeah, search engine journal. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, Lauren Baker's going to kill me the next yeah. time Sam. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's, you know, those are the three biggies. They all have their own sections. Google itself has a 101, much to the chagrin of many SEOs. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with reading that, actually. Uh, you know, just keep in mind that there's a lot of, uh, you could call it like neutral language in there that you should learn more about, right? Uh, in terms of some of the extremes uh, in, in the uh, Google documentation, like on link schemes and stuff like that, you know, it, it's all about testing. Um, you don't want to cheat, right? Uh, but at the same time, you don't want to bring a knife to a gunfight. Um, so you have to understand, you know, what you're getting into if you have a competitive desire uh, for a specific keyword uh, for SEO. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. good. Yeah. Good advice. Uh, and uh, I agree with that, that you need to test, you know, because uh, uh, I see when people overlearning, you know, uh, they overlearn and uh, skip uh, acting, you know, uh, how yeah. you can go ahead. It's like, I don't know, to read the book, how to play soccer. If you don't play soccer, uh, any books can help you. If you yeah. read uh, the book, how to, I don't know, like to, to see, uh, to dance without acting, you can't go ahead because it's better to learn and act yeah love this uh, tips uh, especially about uh testing something uh chris it's a big pleasure to to, yeah yeah go ahead um i mean i'd love to a couple you know if you want to talk a couple topics on the similar ideas related to paid search right and like setting strategy and stuff like that i'm happy to if you want to as well uh yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Maybe we'll get together another time and talk about paid search since we've talked so much about SEO, which is fine with me too. Yeah, we can repeat it because, uh, yeah, I check out a few times which format is better for me, for my audience, and 40 minutes uh, work well. I don't know why. Perfect, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I tested 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour. So, uh, I don't know, 40 minutes can keep uh, users longer, you know, they want to learn with this format. So, uh, welcome back anytime. You know, for me, it's a big pleasure to get more insights about paid search because uh, I have many people who are asking me about paid search, how to set up the right pay-per-click campaigns. We can cover this topic. Why not? I'd love to. Um, it's fun. I've had a good conversation with you. I've enjoyed your questions and uh, insights as well. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, Chris, uh, tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Sure. Well, at Boggles at Twitter, and then uh, my site is Web Traffic Advisors with an O. Um, really, Boggles is probably going to be the easiest way to reach me. I've got so many spam uh, at my website that it's very hard for <laughs> me to track me through there. So uh, reach out and uh, happy to chat. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay, guys, you need to reach out, Chris, to learn more about him. Follow him on Twitter, learn from him because you can see that a lot of valuable insights. You can find all these links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and see you next time. 
Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.